0: Hello everyone, week six was a tough one, a week of half victories for me, including me crunching last night's solo showdown winning lineup and somehow not playing it. But today we dust ourselves off because it's time to tell you guys whether it's a situation for panic or no panic across various fantasy football and real life football trends. And of course, we're going to get back on that horse today. Broncos charters a million dollars up top on DraftKings so going to try to build some good lineups, try to identify some weaknesses that people will be playing a lot of. And we're going to do that right after this intro. It's hello, everyone, and welcome to another Monday solo edition of the Splash Play Podcast, a fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. Once again, I'm Chris Spaggs, joined by you guys today in the chat. Of course, I have no coffee pours here. I'm only hydrating with water like a professional adult and wearing a hoodie like a much less professional adult. But cheers to all of you guys Monday afternoon. So let's, let's hit it right after this. Mm. ASMR Water, what everybody's been craving here on the channel. But of course, I'm Chris Spaggs. Make sure you go over to Underdog. Use the promo code SPLASH to match your deposit up to $100 to get the plugs out of the way up top here. Battle Royales are a lot of fun to get into. Some best ball tournaments, including tomorrow. Actually, we will be doing one more set of best ball streams because the NBA season kicks off. So there will be no more best ball tournaments on Underdog and DraftKings. So get in there now. Do the double dribble if you want to get a shot at some overlay. But use the promo code SPLASH. Double your deposit up to $100. And of course, this show is presented by Football Outsiders. So go to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. Get a package for yourself on there. Use the promo code Writers. You can also save 10% off and that money actually goes to our staff, which doesn't include me because that's the kind of gracious host I am, gracious boss I am of Football Outsiders. But please go over to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. DVOA comes out a day or earlier. Uh, lots of great stuff on the data front that we are providing there besides DVOA. But of course, DVOA is the one you hear about on every podcast. And in my last plug, uh, go follow me at Chris Bags. Go check out the tweet that I retweeted today from the Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah podcast. My pal JR invited me on there talk entourage so if you want to hear me outside of the venues outside of the confines of spending money wasting money Winning money? Question mark. Uh, you can do that on that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Podcast. It was a lot of fun recapping an honorage show from uh, season six. Shout out to Lunchables Connoisseur with his yee yee Of course, one of our regulars here who I appreciate very much. I actually had a, a like a very inappropriate thought about a joke to make today, and I don't remember what it was. Now legible Connoisseur, but I thought of you this morning uh, while coming out of the shower. So that's the kind of personal attention you see this YouTube channel is me thinking about you coming out of the shower. Shout out to historical anomalies. Of course, all the regulars here who do hang out. I appreciate it a bunch. Whether you're watching live or after the fact, and I wouldn't be doing my job, of course, if I didn't pull up the neon flashing gif here in this early show preamble, please subscribe, please like, and comment down below, uh, please do all those things, because it helps us out a bunch here, as we try to regroup this channel, as so I try to get our AdSense reapproved, I have to send in my passport to YouTube, and holy shit, do they make it difficult to get my identity verified, even though I'm this guy, I'm the same dude, I don't want, necessarily want to be me every day, but But I try my best to continue to do that. Uh, So please, uh, please, YouTube, let us run some ads on the channel. But it's panic or no panic time. You guys know the rules by now. I'm going to give you four things I'm panicked about, four things I'm not panicked about. And you can play along with me as well. Leave yours in the chat, and I'll read them at the end. And Of course, if there are the redrafters, the season-long players out there who come streaming in with their trade requests, feel free to drop them too because I know I care about what you guys are doing. Uh, But here, panic number one. I think you got to be panicked about Tom Brady. Here's one of the things that I put out in our Probably email, of course, startup that I'm building. My pal, Edgar, uh, taking the best international sportsbook data, determining the true probabilities of every event. Every sportsbook data piece that we had out there, of course, I'm sure it was the same for your DraftKings, for your Fandals here in the U.S. But also the guys who are spending millions of dollars internationally that are the ones that we're combing to try to figure out what the true probabilities of events are. Everybody locked in the Bucks this is this easy win play. Certainly with Kenny Pickett getting hurt in that game, it changes the equation a little bit. But it feels like it should have been a downgrade for them to have to go to Mitch Trubisky, who comes in provides a spark as of stealing that one. But overall, this is one of the things that I talked about in the preseason. One of the things that got me spooked off of just hammering Buck stacks, besides the fact they ended up adding guys. Like Julio Jones and the Russell Gates of the world, certainly some question marks about Chris Godwin's health. But I think you throw in, you know, Tom Brady's life right now, a lot of rumors floating around about his divorce issues or, you know, whatever else I guess could be going on there. He also just throws for 243 yards going against this Pittsburgh team that last week gave over 400 yards to Josh Allen. I think there's something too with the Falcons. You know, we saw them steal another game yesterday against San Francisco. They've been in every game so far this year. The Saints, too, surprisingly uh, feisty, even though their team has been hobbled, disabled at every turn. So I think things are just looking bad for the Bucs overall. It starts with Tom Brady. It starts to see him in these games where he's flustered. Yesterday, he's yelling on the sidelines. Apparently, before the game, he was talking to the announcers about how, oh, when I'm yelling to people on the sidelines, I'm really yelling at myself. But in reality, we all know what it is. When you yell at somebody else, it doesn't matter if you're yelling at yourself. It doesn't mean if you have years of trauma that are informing that you're still doing it. You're still doing it publicly. You're still doing it in a way that makes these guys look bad, that makes the team look bad. You pair that with the offensive line. And I certainly have a lot of concerns about the Bucs that I think I vocalize a lot here on the shows all offseason long, but I think are now starting to materialize in a way where the wheels falling off here certainly in play guys and you know for, for Rashad White's sake more than anything we just hope it turns out well uh, so what I'm not panicking about this week the showdown process has us so close you can literally see the screenshot for me reviewing my fantasy cruncher lineups that I made last night for the showdown of course we're going to build some more today but I've talked a lot about you know the iterative process I've been going on trying to get really good at showdowns in general obviously you know trying to sharpen DFS as we go as well you know some things DFS wise I think week to week you're always going to see these situations pop up like Matt Ryan going against the Jags nobody's playing that one doesn't end up even winning money because so few people are playing it but still other situations that i thought were you know ones that made sense the dolphins game i played some skylar thompson he ends up getting hurt but overall you know fits the thesis of what i would have wanted from that minnesota miami game where justin jefferson was maybe one touchdown away uh, actually really one foot away from one point where he was diving towards the end zone and didn't get in i feel good about my dfs process my showdown process though. i feel particularly good about and this lineup that you're seeing on the screen right now again The one that actually took down the solo, uh, I think it was 500K yesterday up top for the Cowboys-Eagles game. Jake Ferguson, Devonta Smith, Ezekiel Elliott, Miles Sanders, A.J. Brown, Jalen Hurts. You were seeing it from my fantasy character because I had this exact lineup. Didn't end up playing Jake Ferguson a captain because I felt it was a little bit flimsy. Normally those $200 plays are ones that end up being a little bit harder to get to because they come they come off and look so appealing. Like you see Jake Ferguson at $200. You can fit in all the best plays from the Eagles. You can, in fact, pick and choose not playing Cooper Rush in this particular lineup. But it is one where Jake Ferguson was stepping into a bigger role. I played a lot of him in Peyton Hendershot. I ended up winning back a good amount of the money, I guess, that I gave to the, the DFS guys for the main slate and Showdown. But I think that's really why, you know, on these streams in particular, why i'm doing the showdown builds why i'm showing you guys how that process looks for me taking the optimals going from there trying to figure out who's going to be played too much who's not going to be played enough and i think we've been getting close to it so i feel it i feel the pains i think it's one of those things that i would beat you know into your guys heads as well as my own that Ultimately, if you have that winning lineup in your cruncher optimizer, if you have that winning lineup, or if you even had the thoughts that would have gotten there necessarily if you were hand building, I think you got to take the victories. You can find them. And for me, I think we're getting really close on showdowns. I'm going to keep pushing it. Um, but overall, I've always had uh, a decent brain for showdowns, but really lowering the salary cap, not playing guys more than forty seven thousand dollars has been uh, winning a lot more than probably it should. Uh, but it has been winning time and time again. So we'll see if that ends up being the case today. Yeah. Um, here we go. Lunchables kind of It's hard too because with the savings you needed to fade Lamb and Pollard. That's really where I think it comes down to just playing these cheaper lineups because you don't really worry then as much about it. You don't feel the pains of what you're missing out on. In this lineup too, you can see that there's a 99 on the screen. That's not because of my my secret uh, political leadings <laughs> I don't want to talk about publicly. That's because it's a 99 percent randomness crunch. So this is one that didn't come up when I was crunching at 33 percent. Didn't come up when I was crunching at 66 percent. It really was a really variable lineup that you're not going to land on a lot. But being comfortable playing those lineups, being play uh, comfortable playing lineups that aren't as highly projected. I think for showdowns, that's going to be a key and one that I will certainly try to talk about more as we get into this Broncos game coming up. More Russell Wilson in primetime. Yeehaw. Uh, We got Kyle Pitts, of course, as I promised here. He's going to make it into the panic every single weekend. I think even with that touchdown yesterday, you have to be panicking over Kyle Pitts and it feels like a moral victory. Like if anything, that touchdown to Kyle Pitts yesterday feels like some pat on the head from the fates being like, oh, don't worry. It's okay. Here's some points from Kyle Pitts. Ultimately, it doesn't fucking matter. 19 yards on three targets. Michael Pruitt catches touchdown yesterday from the tight end. Uh, Pitts is it snaps overall were down a little bit. His routes run were down overall a little bit. But you maybe expect that coming off a hamstring injury. Certainly, Pitt's a part of the future. But this Falcons team is winning these games in ways where it's not Kyle Pitts being fed the ball. It's not even Drake London being fed the ball. Olameda Zaccheaus had four targets. Like, let that soak in. Kyle Pitts, we love. I think if you're watching the stream, you probably love Kyle Pitts as much as I do. You've probably been as obsessed with him. I saw our Fantasy Flock friend was tweeting about Kyle Pitts being a top three tight end the rest of the year. And you know you could take that guy's words to the bank every time out. But I feel like it's one of those things where we want Kyle Pitts to be this guy and ultimately in this offense, the way that it's running right now, the fact that they've almost been able to win every game they've been in, I don't know why they would throw the ball to Kyle Pitts more, so... I might disagree. You might disagree. As fantasy football fans, sports betters, as whatever you are out there, you probably disagree. But Kyle Pitts, I think, is just going to be that guy, and maybe he does luck into two touchdowns one week, five for fifty, and a two touchdowns look pretty good relative to what we've seen so far. But I think you got to be worried about Kyle Pitts. I don't know that I would trade him necessarily because I just don't know what else you're getting at tight end that's any better. Trade him for a Mark Andrews. Trade him for a Kelsey. Maybe feel some comfort there. Pitts, Waller, Kittle. These are guys I was drafting a lot, and I think even though they've all shown flashes of a floor, the ceiling hasn't been there at all. They're certainly not in the tier of Andrews and Kelsey, and I think, really, that could be one of the biggest mistakes I think I've made best ball-wise, but that said, we're not panicking about best ball, guys, because our best ball shares are fine. This week, there's no Derrick Henry, no Josh Jacobs, no Jonathan Taylor yet again. We're going to talk more about this one, and yeah, we're just six weeks in, including tonight's game. You know, Cortland Sutton, somebody I'm sure I'm looking forward to seeing how he does tonight in the hopes that that uh, boosts my numbers a little bit in terms of my best ball winnings. Same thing for Melvin Gordon, and of course, it's okay to talk about best ball here, guys. I know Pete's afraid. Pete's accidentally showing his winnings on the show and panicking about the FBI banging down his door. The splash play channel is a safe space. We can't even get YouTube ads going here. So don't, don't worry about it, but I do love talking about best ball and I do love following it closely. And, Ultimately, the thing to keep in mind is that this season so far has been pretty binary besides like Jonathan Taylor running bad. Maybe if Christian McCaffrey gets traded, that turns things a little bit weirdly there as well. For the most part, this was the risk of taking these running backs early on. And you actually have seen a lot of these guys play better than I think you might have expected. Derrick Henry, no issues there, no game scripting out of him so far. For the most part, you know, also guys like Austin Eckler, I think have had the ceiling Nick Chubb, despite a lack of the pass game involvement. He's there time and time again. Uh, but I think it's one of those things for me with, with best ball, with all this stuff that with redraft season long leagues as well. Like I know there's a lot of panic out there. I think ultimately, if you are investing your money, if you're investing your time, you just can't start to panic about it at this point of the year. If you're in last place in every single league come week 11, sure. But even if you have one bullet that makes it through, even if you have one that makes it through week 14 into week 15, into week 16, that could be the thing that wins you enough money. At that point, you look like a genius to everybody, even if that was your only lineup that won it's only a secret between me and you. So I think that's that's how it goes. Uh, and Josh has notified the police, unfortunately. So, yeah, they'll be coming for me now. Um, and also, again, NBA best ball coming up tomorrow on the channel to get our last drafts in before the season starts. But another thing, too, I would recommend, you know, hammer that double dribble on underdog. If you want to get some other best ball fixes, I think, you know, uh, we learned a lot throughout the NFL process. NBA, hopefully the same. But DraftKings, too, that tournament is going to have some overlay. And I think there's a lot of money to be made in NBA best ball, even if it's not quite as popular, not quite as uh, uh, prolific, I guess, as NFL best ball on Being so, the my panic this is one where it does tie the best ball for me. Contingent backs so far this year have been awful. Naheem Hines out again, despite no Jonathan Taylor. We see Deion Jackson look like a stud, end up being a DFS winner yesterday, just because of the fact that he's been running an ungodly amount of routes that we know would have gone to Naheem Hines. That's the tough part for me. It's also a situation for Hines now. If he comes back in next week, even if Taylor stays out with this ankle sprain. Like Deion Jackson probably deserves to get a 50 50 share, at least, if not, you know, a fractional amount of that offense alongside Philip Lindsay. That's going to be bad for Naheem Hines as well. Um, Certainly, some other guys, too. Alex Madison's role is regressed. Uh, AJ Dillon has not looked that great so far. Um, Even J.K. Dobbins, a guy who wasn't really a contingent back, but was a guy that was going, you know, like he was going to be a featured back. Kenyon Drake ends up being not on the team when we're drafting him during basketball seasons. I got him because he was the backup, I thought, to Josh Jacobs. Um, he ends up being a guy that goes to the Ravens. Now he's getting that workload and looking honestly better than J.K. Dobbins has looked at any point this year. Um, It's just been tough to pinpoint these contingent backs. It's something, yeah, Dustin's pointing it out too. Deion Jackson did leave the end uh, with a slight quad injury, I believe is what it was. So definitely one to monitor. But I think it's something where I I was right, I feel like, about banking bets against top running backs. I think I was right to start to take the vulture backs, you know, bet against Steven Cordero Patterson, go to Tyler Algier. But there have been these third string guys that are coming out of nowhere week after week that they're making it tough for me to feel like that was the right strategy, at least at this point, not panicking about it, but Caleb Huntley coming in looking like, I think a better runner right now, even though numerically, they're pretty much the same with him and Tyler Algier, uh, you know, same thing with Jackson and Hines, like Hines didn't get to do a lot before he got so brutally concussed falling down on the floor on Thursday night football, but still like, you know, it's not like he was a world beater in limited snaps before that. Like you want to give a shot to Dion Jackson. You want to see how he goes. So I I think right now I am starting to panic a little about a little bit about these contingent backs and hoping they get there later on but obviously you know nobody's ever rooting for injury here unless it's a running back that might help me win 10 more dollars. <laughs> then in that case, root left and right. One thing that I think we need to kind of put in perspective a little bit, there have been some teams that have been better, but I think one thing that stood out to me is all the surprise teams with, you know, winning beyond expectation, I think, there's really not anybody you feel like you need. Uh, You know, Brees Hall, I think, is good, but he's not exactly a world beater in terms of breaking the slate week after week. Great guy to get in a battle royale format underdog. Great guy to have, I think, you know, relative to some other guys going in the same area he did. Again, J.K. Dobbins, Antonio Gibson, some of those guys. But you still have Josh Jacobs, who's going right next to him in best ball. You know, same thing with Saquon Barkley as well. Like, you probably love him over John Jonathan taylor at this point but that said like he's kind of performing where he should have based upon where he was getting drafted even Jalen Hurts. I feel like even the stacks with him, they're not looking like the best things in the world so far. Like I have a lot of AJ Brown. I can tell you week after week, it feels like AJ Brown should just be exploding, having these same days that, that these stud wide receivers are having. He's not having it. It's not coming with Jalen Hurts and Jalen Hurts himself. Is it meaningfully better than Lamar Jackson? He's not definitely not better than Josh Allen so far. Probably not even better than Mahomes overall. You know, you still see the spike weeks from other late QBs, the Jared Goffs of the world, the Matt Ryans of the world. So I think right now, some teams definitely are surprising record wise, but there really isn't anybody, even Gino, like who started as hot as everybody for Seattle. He's not really making you feel like you missed out on anything major. And I think that's something where um, it's the kind of thing that you could start to panic a little bit about if the Jets were amazing and Zach Wilson was throwing like on pace to throw for 4,000 yards, even though he missed the first few games. And like if you missed out on a stack, that'd be something meaningful. But right now, the stacks have not gotten there in a big enough way. I am going to panic about the Cardinals. I think they need a fresh start overall. I don't think trading for Robbie Anderson is going to be the thing that saves them overall. Um, Yesterday really was a smash spot of all smash spots against Seattle. I know we're so conditioned now to these streams. I know Pete certainly talked about enough. Like we're all really trying to get there. I think mentally with the fact that like popular plays fail a lot. There was no reason for this Cardinals game to have gone the way it did yesterday, where they only put up nine points, end up losing nineteen to nine to Seattle. A Seattle team with actually they defended fairly well throughout. You know Arizona. One thing that jumped out to me with their defense is they keep shutting down these number one receivers. So I didn't play DK Metcalf a lot. Didn't play Marquise Brown a lot. That didn't go well. Did play Eno Ben. Benjamin a lot. That didn't go that well. Kyler Murray, a guy I'm invested in pretty much everywhere. He's looking terrible. It really feels to me like you really need to consider filing a uh, firing Kiff clean. Oh boy. Cliff Kingsbury firing Cliff Kingsbury. I'm so, I'm so crestfallen by his beautiful face, not being the man we thought he was, but he's just not that dude. Like the play calling even said, you know, Ever since he got the job, they were playing fast, but running the ball a lot more, not doing creative pass routes, not really getting any sort of creative play design. Now it's just looking bad, and I really think at this spot, maybe the Cardinals can get there. Still having Hopkins back, it's another big-bodied guy that they're really lacking with guys like Rondale Moore. There was one point where it was Kyler throwing the Rondale Moore. And it's like, ah, oh, one five seven guy throw to another. Like that's like, it's not what you want overall in this league, where you keep seeing big receivers have the upside. Even guys like Alec Pierce, like looking pretty good as a big receiver. Uh, Rondale Moore, diminutive. You got to really have creative play design and get these guys into space. And they're not able to do that. I think it's kind of embarrassing. Dustin wondering if there are 20 targets per game for Hopkins when he comes back next week, might be their only hope. It's certainly possible. I mean, his contested catch rate's been one of the best in the league. That's been his one skill set that he's maintained. That said, now it's at a necessity where he's never been like a burner guy. He's always been able to get those deep balls. As he starts to get older, like that was my concern with Hopkins is that he gets older. He's not able to make those contested catches as well, not able to even cause, you know, the little bit of separation he does with a little bit of, you know, hand fighting kind of things that receivers do and don't get called for. But I I think they need him on some level. The issue is like he's also a guy that I think locker room wise, if this is running bad, like you could see him kind of start to sink the ship as well. Um, I really think they need to fire Kingsbury personally, but whether they do it or not, we'll find out. And then, of course, the no panic number four here. Stud wide receivers, I think, remain on a tier all their own. We saw Diggs again yesterday as, as a chalk play, You know, a spot where normally you run away from that wide receiver volatility. You run away from a guy like Diggs. He goes for 10 catches, 148 yards, and a touchdown. Jamar Chase also pays off some of the early faith he had, both from people drafting him and just in general in the league. Seven catches for 132 and two touchdowns. I think you could start to worry a little bit about the T. Higginses of the world, a little bit of the A.J. Browns of the world, the guys that were going later. But that first tier of receivers is just banger after banger. Here so far, with guys like Chase, with Diggs in particular, uh, Cup has been solid week after week. even if he has the same upside, um, you know, Justin Jefferson, I think, can blow the roof off of any game. I would have liked him to be a little better uh, this week, given that I thought he was a nice play at less ownership than Chase. Didn't quite end up having the same upside because of the lack of touchdowns. But these guys every week can be ones that get you into your best ball leagues, get you into your redraft, your know, playoffs. It really made a difference on the stretch. So I think right now, if you are somebody that invested in stud receivers overall, you got to feel pretty good about how that's looking. And I think you know, really, nothing has shaken my faith in that. I do have some some shaken faith, though, in C. Higgins. I'm worried about him, a little bit worried about A.J. Brown and the Seagulls' offense that can win without really passing the ball at a high volume, but the studs, can't argue the studs. So that's where it is. All right, guys, time to hit the the showdown world, of course. Um, As I always do here, let me refresh the stochastic projections to make sure that uh, things are not changing meaningfully. Uh, Dustin, my guy here, couldn't agree more. Cliff equals Matt Nagy coming from a Bears fan. I think without the pedigree, too, like, you know, that's something where Matt Nagy held on to that job. But, you know, I guess he had a little bit of the Chiefs, good whiffs on him as well but with Cliff it was like oh you come in as this college genius and you do nothing inventive the one thing they were doing that was inventive early on was they were you know running a lot at a high pace um in terms of like getting snaps off and now they're still playing as slow as anybody in the league the deep throws aren't there you know Marquise Brown I think has been pretty solid a guy getting over 115 air yards per game but still like he's not being used probably the best way he could running out of the slot. I think it's where he had his best success as a Ravens receiver. So I think there's enough things I would say, yeah, we probably need to worry more about what the Cardinals are doing. And um, as somebody, again, deeply invested in Kyler Murray, deeply invested in Marquise Brown, I want to see these guys be good. It just seems like they're not going to be. Either way, though, of course, as we always do uh, on the showdown slates, time to crunch some lineups. As you can see here, no salary limitations. Uh, All the groups are disabled as well and and pre-built. So you guys don't have to struggle along with me as I do that live here on the stream. Um, minimum projection down to 0.1 because the showdown anybody can make a winning lineup all needs is one touchdown really um, your, your pe- Peyton Hendershot almost made the winning lineup Jake Ferguson does make the winning lineup as captain so keep that in mind here doesn't happen every day but those guys usually can make a roster spot uh, in utility in particular and be useful but let's see what we're getting of course stochastics projections on the menu for me as always we could see a lot of rust coming up uh, less Justin Herbert at captain, more Herbert at captain. Uh, Cortland Sutton, you're seeing no Jerry Judy captain lineups here. Uh, you're seeing none of the tight ends at captain for the Broncos. Um, you're not seeing Mike Williams at captain. That's probably a high upside, highly projected play that makes sense uh, with Keenan Allen not looking like he's going to be playing today again. Um, you know, your Michael Bandys of the world seem like they're worth a roster spot. Uh, Judy Judy definitely jumps out as a player that I don't have a lot of love in normally. Um, I'm certainly more of a Courtland Sutton guy, but with Sutton popping up this much more than Judy, it feels like getting Judy in there could be something that's worth doing overall. So... Yeah, Judy. Anytime again, you know, one of the metrics we look at when you know, and this is not so much a metric, but it's you know, it's a number you're seeing on the screen. When you just see guys who don't come up at all, like Ezekiel Elliott was not coming up in optimal crunches yesterday. That was something I observed. Didn't want to play him because it's still Zeke, and you know, I think I honestly think the Eagles yesterday were playing a long con with Zeke, where it's like let's let him have some good runs, so the Cowboys keep playing him over Tony Pollard. That way, we'll win come you know the later parts of the season when we need it the most. But Zeke ends up having his best day yesterday. He wouldn't have popped up on an optimizer unless you were going out of your way to get him. So that's always something to keep in mind here or you know stochastics projections we could even run fantasy crunchers as well just so you could see uh, the comparison points here uh fc projections usually not that different in terms of the optimal rates and all that um I guess more Albert O for fantasy cruncher projections, but again, still not looking like a lot of Judy. He had Judy down to 10%. Um, still not a lot of Mike Williams of the fantasy cruncher projections. So Mike Williams, captain Jerry, Judy in the lineup. Those things seem appealing to me. Um, worth pointing out as well. Greg Dulcich looks like he should be making his debut tonight. So that's something that would hurt Eric Saubert who could have some positive, uh, Expected ownership on him. Um, Alberto certainly should be heard as well. Feels like they haven't wanted to play Alberto very much. Um, so I think it's a situation where uh, Dulcich make sure to watch the inactives for that one. But if he's going, I think he's worth taking some flyers on as the pass catching tight end. They seemingly have wanted short gamer rip to all your Marquise Brown shares. Yeah. Um, his injuries right now, not the best ones you want to see for a burner guy. I think having Hopkins back will help take some pressure off of them, but then he just becomes kind of a better and best ball guy who open has the upside week. So I, I, yeah, I just honestly would love to see a new coach come in give somebody who could actually take this offense to the next level. Uh, Maybe that happens in the off season. feels like it's hard to expect it to happen in season, Uh, but I just, you know, the Cardinals to me are just dead in the water. The Broncos though, you know, like some faint signs of life overall. Um, Let me pull up my data sheet over here just so I can talk about it. 20.8 implied points today, chart have 25.3 implied points. It does feel like there's some weak, uh, some deep ball vulnerabilities to exploit here potentially uh, for the Broncos going against the Chargers defense. We know that Cortland Sutton, 129 air yards per game, is a pretty lofty number for him, but that's all upside there, you know. And obviously, air yards are just prayer yards until at some point they have to convert. But I think there's still enough shots going Sutton's way. You know, 2.2 deep targets per game. This is a Chargers defense that has not defended a single deep pass at all uh, over 20 plus yards so far the season. Um, so I think this is a situation where you know, not a bad completion rate either. 45.5% completion rate on passes of 20 plus yards. I think targeting Sutton feels good, but I think if you add Judy on or put him in lieu of Sutton, I think that's one way to get a little bit different there. Um, even if you still want to play Sutton, which I, I find it hard not to want to do. Um, DVOA boost also goes to wide receiver ones on the Chargers defense. 5.7% boost to wide receiver ones according to defense versus receiver stats uh, for football outsiders as well. Um yeah, Sutton looks like a good play. He's just a little bit too obvious of a play, and that's where things get a little tricky. On the Charter side, going against Denver, Denver's defense, you know, despite getting completely gashed by Josh Jacobs last week, has been pretty good across the board. Um, against the passing game, they're giving up a minus 27% DVOA decrease uh, to passing offenses. The Denver DVOA overall minus 19% against the run game, minus 7.5%. So Denver's been doing their jobs. Um, you know the pay, the pace of this game should be coming more uh, from the Chargers' side. 29 seconds per snap it looks like, was one of the highest marks in the league. But that just means more dropbacks to go against the Broncos. So Broncos' defense kind of in play as well. Um, let me see if they're coming up at all in the optimal. Because I don't think this is a game where people are going to want to play the optimal very much. Um, And that could be something that actually does pay off. As I apparently switched the slate of games here. We do not care about the the Ravens-Giants game now. No defenses coming up at all in the optimal crunch. And no Brandon McManus either. Which, uh, given the Broncos' red zone struggles, McManus kind of in play as well. But let's turn on our groups and let's also drop the salary cap going under 47,000 a day that's likely what i'm gonna do with my actual crunch later on today uh so that's one to keep in mind if you want to if you really want to tail what i'm doing here that's what i'm doing and enabling all my groups same ones as usual here where we're limiting it to one kicker uh two kickers can get there but it's not the way that i like to play for the money i'm spending like it's a very microscopic chance of two kickers getting there same thing with defenses we're limiting it to uh to one uh here we go at most Um, receivers as well, limiting it so that you're only getting maximum two receivers overall uh, for the captain at QB as well, or for playing Russell Wilson at all, basically, if you're not playing Wilson at captain or in a regular spot, you'd only get one of the uh, receivers and it's the same thing for Herbert. You can also do a rule that I put in sometimes after seeing Neil Orfield talk about it at stochastic, uh, where if you know a quarterback never runs, you probably want to make sure that if you're playing him in the flex, that you're pairing him with a pass catcher. Cause if your quarterback doesn't run at all, you can see a pass catcher easily passive in terms of the overall fantasy numbers. Uh, but it's something where I think Russ runs enough. I think Justin Herbert runs enough where if they get one touchdown, um that could change that equation so i'm not going to make that rule for this particular slate let me just make sure i get my randomness on here and we'll start to crunch here and identify some good lineups first crunch will be 33 as we get some trade questions here should i trade Mixon for kenneth walker and d hop um it's not a great trade necessarily i think Mixon's offense is going to be better overall than both of those um Walker with somebody who's a good receiver who you have some faith in, I think would be a little more appealing. I didn't up the fantasy crunch numbers. Let's get 500 lineups in here, not 20. Um, Make sure we're using the stochastic projections, but yeah, I think overall I, if you could get a better receiver out of that guy, I would take it. If not, I think you're probably losing some EV going to Walker over Mixon just because, you know, Walker's got the role for sure, but Seattle feels like they're due to come back down to earth. Maybe we started to see that yesterday. So Uh, I would probably stand Pat if I were you. Bengals are gonna have better days. That's something too that I'll, I'll say for all of our redraft friends out there, as we've talked about in some of the streams lately. You are better off if you're really disappointed with your players, if you're disappointed with Jonathan Taylor, like don't trade him for nothing now, unless you really have some inside info about him never coming back in, never being able to play on this ankle sprain again. Like you are you've now squeezed all the negative EV out of you drafting the guy number one. At this point, you're better off hoping he comes back in, starts to find that depth, find that middle ground, and puts up some 30 fantasy point days. So, like I would always try to stand pat in season-long leagues, unless you're really in a, a bad league that doesn't know how to properly value things for the most part though, I feel like most leagues kind of have figured that out. Nobody gets fleeced for the most part. I know, as I've talked about In my old high school league, we were basically never trading just because people were afraid to get ripped off in some way. Um, so I'd be inclined to avoid trading unless you are really taking advantage of, of not sharp people in your leagues. Need a wide receiver too badly. Kirk and Curtis Samuel, not cutting it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just don't, I don't think, I don't think Hopkins is going to change your game materially. Um, personally, it's not a huge drop off for mixing a walker, but like I would rather keep riding with Kirk and hope he finds some better matchups. Um, I'd rather work waiver wires and try to find a receiver, you know, like a young receiver who could get some upside later on. If the team starts to pull back the dogs and Hopkins, I just think the Cardinals, as I talked about, like I'm worried about the Cardinals for pretty good reason. I don't think D hop is going to save your team necessarily. Whereas Mixon, like could give you 30 fantasy point weeks when chase isn't going when Higgins, when Higgins isn't going and when he's just getting the red zone work, he's been getting all year. Like Mixon's red, red zone work is like not anything to sneeze at Walker looked great though. So like I get wanted to be excited about him for sure. All right, this crunch is going here. As you can see, when you up the randomness, you get some different groupings here. One thing that I have been doing in some of the crunches, which I will do tonight, is limiting the captain exposure overall to 20% max just so you get different looks at captain. But it seems like we're naturally getting that anyway with only Justin Herbert looking uh, meaningfully over, I guess, Sutton as well. I I do think Tardy McManus, though. Like I don't know why he's not coming up that much. Like McManus has been an ace kicker who can kick from 50, 60 yards without, you know, blinking an eye too much. Um, you know, Charter Stadium, not going to be as friendly as Mile High in terms of cutting through the air, but still going to be um, you know, decently insulated from the weather. I think McManus is a very solid play in this particular kind of uh situation. But let's up the randomness again, see what else we get. And, again, this is the same process I've been doing every week, hopefully not putting in the devil's number of 666. But then you crunch at 66%. You crunch at 66% with two uniques, and then you merge them all together um, along with a 99 crunch, uh, which is what got me that Jake Ferguson lineup yesterday that I did not use. Would have been nice. Would have been a different stream, different energy on the stream if I would used that Jake Ferguson lineup. Uh, but instead, nope. Just said, hey, Jalen Hurts, at captain. Let's go with the chalk. Why not? Hard to imagine him not being the top scorer. And you know what happens. He ends up not being the top scorer. Such is life. Actually, he might have technically been the top scorer still. He's no Zeke though. I think we all know that. Who amongst us is? McManus still not a lot of McManus. Yeah, I would not be afraid to play a defense and a kicker on the slate. Just feels like they're going a little bit undersold for you know game with a total. Hasn't moved very much. 46 point total. Seems like it's been the same since uh since the slate uh, or since the bets actually started being taken. Um, Yeah, it feels kind of like an underspot, to be honest. AJ Brown is top score. Okay, yeah. Uh, by 0. 0.8. Ah, yeah. I mean, that sort of fits what we were talking about, though, with the pass catchers. Like, that was one thing that uh, Neil Orfield said when I was uh, watching his stochastic streams before Ford did uh, on the contrary last week. um, Like, I really think that the point about pass catchers easily exceeding a QB unless he's running a lot. Like Hertz did not run as much as he should have yesterday, but still ran a good amount. So for him to get outscored by AJ Brown while also like Devonta Smith had a usable game is kind of a surprise to me. Um, but I think it does prove the thesis of what I think Neil is talking about here, uh, where QBs tend to be a little overvalued for their ceiling, even though the floor, like in cash games, you probably want to have, you know, one QB at least, if not two most games to win a GPP though. I think, you know, fading a QB or, you know, fading a QB at captain feels like it's a plus EV move overall and worth keeping in mind on this slate too, where uh, let me check the ownership on Stochastic, but I think a lot of captain ownership going to Herbert from what we're seeing crunch wise decent amount going to rust too about 10% according to stochastic uh, projected ownership at captain. And hmm. so what are we identifying here in terms of trends? We know we're missing. we are missing out on Mike Williams and the optimal crunch. Let me just go back to this optimal crunch again. I think the optimal crunch by the way just for the record for what how I've been getting some better results in showdown lately is just really worrying about the optimal and just guys who don't come up a lot um because like that you can worry about sort of the game flow things but ultimately it, it was zeke that mattered the most in that lineup yesterday maybe not playing cd lamb but i don't think that was that hard to avoid doing on showdown um but just when you observe that the guy doesn't come up at all but you know he's meaningfully involved and you know he's got a role i think that's sort of where you're targeting there does wilson look bad enough us so far that'll he get the zeke treatment and get less clicks in tonight's game i mean that's a good question i think because Russell Wilson's still coming up so heavily in optimal. I think people will play him. Maybe the casuals when they're hand building will play him a little bit less, but I think in terms of an optimizer play, Dustin, like people will think the sharp players will think like you think and assume that people are going to play Russ less. Whereas I think when you see these guys come up a lot, you know, overall here, like that's where the, you know, Carter coming up this much is kind of crazy because, because Josh Palmer is not coming in at all. Huh? Palmer's supposed to go today, right? I think so. He's got a projection. Yeah, Palmer. Yeah. Hmm. It seems to me that Williams is undervalued in the optimal for sure. Jerry Judy, who we talked about. But I I don't like Melvin Gordon's not coming up at all. Like, there are a lot of guys here who are not coming up who seem like very viable plays. And that's surprising to me. Like, Melvin Gordon, we know, is going to get the work. Like, you know, he could lose some touches to Boone easily or Zigbo, I guess, in the past game. Uh, But like Melvin Gordon, they want to give the first crack to. And, you know, casual players love a good revenge game. This is a revenge game for Melvin Gordon, too. I don't think he should not be coming up at all. And that's not a rule or anything. Lunchables connoisseur thinks Broncos 5-1 could be a good way to get different, but still play good players. Yeah. um, Man, it's hard to imagine the Charters not getting two people there, but that's why 5-1 lineups have some appeal. Uh, Because people don't play them enough. People don't play the onslaughts nearly enough. Uh, it does feel like with the totals, a Chargers onslaught makes more sense. Uh, Chargers onslaught with Jerry Judy, maybe, um, like that feels like it, you're getting away from the Sutton ownership. You're getting away from Russ ownership. Um, I think that could be appealing. Yeah, some weird teams. Let me make. Let me do the 99 crunch, and we'll group them all together and try to pick a few, pick a few winners. I'll also identify the, the cash lineup you should play too, because that's just in case. Anybody wants the freebie easy lineup here. Take the optimal one. Okay, Your cash game lineup should be Cortland Sutton at captain. Let me make sure I'm sorting my projection. Cortland Sutton at captain, Eric Saubert, uh, DeAndre Carter, Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert, Austin Eckler. Worth pointing out too, like I know we've talked you know, a lot about, and in general, the industry, everybody's talked about cash game lineups doing really well in DFS lately. Um, I think that for showdowns, the exact opposite. Like you really want to get away from cashy lineups here because that just means that they're covered, you know, violently covered by everybody out there. Uh, is Murray possibly driving down the Gordon stuff? Let me look at the stochastic projections and see. Um, and definitely worth making sure as well that Murray's actually going tonight because he was inactive uh, last time out. Um, yeah, they have Latavius Murray on stochastic projected for 1.5 fantasy points. Um, they have Boone projected for 6.3. That feels like it's hurting him more, but Gordon's still 11.5, like double the projection. I just don't think like it's a tough salary point, but Gordon could fall into the end zone twice. And then that's like a slate breaker. Gordon and Judy are the undervalued plays. I think relative to the optimal. Let's see here. Let me make a group one, put them all together, see what we can get. And again, I'll just point it out one more time. This is exactly what I'm going to be doing tonight. So like, if you think I'm trying to fucking do some some slick trickery here, have no fear. I'll just do it with whatever the most updated projections are from Stochastic. But um, this is the process that I feel really good about, and that's why I'm you know, honestly very willing to share it on these shows because I don't want people to lose money because of me ever. That's always been the thing that I've always felt. And I know, obviously, on this show, we do a lot more bits. But when I was at Stochastic, like, I would feel that pressure a lot of just wanting to make sure people have the best information possible. So that's why... Um, that's why I'm only willing to share these things when I feel good about them. Um, all right. Again, you can't get any closer. I mean, nobody else who had Jake Ferguson in there optimizing yesterday. Nobody, nobody but me and still played Peyton Hendershot, who's a terrible human being. Don't don't Google him if you ever want to play Peyton Hendershot and not have a guilty conscience because he'd fucking, uh, as we found it on Splash Play, and I found out more just looking around yesterday, uh, really fucking beat up his girlfriend in college in a way that didn't seem great. <laughs> as if there's ever a way that it does seem great. But to be clear, like his was really violent and not fantastic. Um, but he looked great on the field. You know, hard to, <laughs> hard to argue with that. Is that what if LGMs get in trouble? All right. Also, I, I did tout Jake Ferguson in the offseason too, in best ball season. I remember at some point. And Pete was like, Jake Ferguson, puh. And I'd still Pete's probably right about Jake Ferguson, puh, but he and Bellinger honestly not the worst, like 18th round picks. Um, better than Kyle Pitts, if we're being honest. All right. So here's your top projected lineups here. DeAndre Carter at captain. That is one way to get away from him coming up a lot in the normal optimization. So I could see why you would do that. Um, Herbert and 57% of them plus his captain ownership. Herbert's basically in almost 80% of the lineups overall. So he's going to be in everything. Um, Russell Wilson coming up. A little bit less, but still gonna be in pretty much everything. Fading one of the QBs and putting in a pass catcher instead of them, I think is an interesting move. Like I think the Judy for Wilson swap is one that could be a winner tonight. Where you don't play Russ, you play Judy instead. Maybe you play Melvin Gordon with them. And then that sort of leverages against whatever points the Broncos are gonna score. Um and again, I think McManus too. Like if you really want to take some lineups here. It, do we have any good McManus Judy ones? I just think McManus is a beast. Like, guys, you can knock down multiple 50-yard field goals in a game. I'm always willing to take some flyers on it, kicker. And the fact that he wasn't coming up at all in the optimal crunch, I think, makes McManus seem like a, a very solid play. This one with Palmer. Palmer, Carter. So you're fading Eckler. You're fading Mike Williams. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, if you're going to play Russ at Captain, that one's kind of interesting. Um, Let me see what Mike Williams can do here. See, why is that not? All right. I feel like I always have some selection issues with Fantasy Cruncher on on my PC for some reason. Um, But Mike Williams, I think at Captain or at a utility spot, also kind of undervalued. And it sucks, man. Like I love Cortland Sutton, but this is like he's in everything. Fade Cortland Sutton to win the money if you really have the balls on you. <laughs> that be tax filing extension day to all that celebrate. I I do my taxes on time, Nate. I do mine in a reasonable window of time and get all my get all my fucking little expenses in there. Any expense, this this fantasy creature, If I were paying for this, have, it would be under under my taxes on software. Thankfully, I get it for free. And you know, honestly, you still could market. You know, as long as they know, <laughs> casual tax fraud advice on your DFS streams. <laughs> but if you follow it up with the click click, we know it's all satirical. Um, if you got the guts to play KJ Hamler, Captain. You talk about how Cortland Sutton doesn't get there. That's KJ Hamler getting the one deep target and then Cortland Sutton just watching a lot. yeah, I feel like don't play Sutton at captain too much unless you're getting unique because that that just feels way too obvious. Man, there's honestly like this game on paper seems kind of gross, but it's also like a very fun game because there are some different ways to go here. Like Xander Horvath as a value play, like not the most exciting, but he can score a touchdown and be enough to get in there. Um, yeah, you could you get unique on this one. I wouldn't be surprised to see this be another solo or, you know, under 10 person winner tonight. All right, so I guess I, I got to stick with the theme of what I've been doing with these. And I think we've been right in trying to distill it down to three takeaways um, each time out. So I would play Melvin Gordon more than not. Cause he didn't come up at all in the optimal. And that just seems wrong to me. Um, even if you don't want to play Melvin Gordon, like you can play Boone, you can play Murray if those guys are both active, uh, but playing a Denver running back, I think is a good move. Um, yeah, worth pointing out to, uh, yeah, the charters don't have any reasonable rushing TD splits that would make it seem bad. Chargers D also give it a 5.8 yards per rush so far, which is one of the worst marks in the league. I don't know why you wouldn't try to play a Denver running back. Honestly, just based on what we're seeing optimal wise here. Um, I think Jerry Judy with a Denver running back. So I would say either Judy with Wilson or Judy in lieu of Wilson with a Denver running back, I think looks pretty nice. And then don't be afraid to play a kicker or defense because kickers and defenses aren't coming up at all. So it's not one of those slates where everybody's going to overown them. And um, is a slate where they actually might be an advantage. And I think Brandon McManus to me is an even bigger advantage than Hopkins. Um, what's Hopkins salary. Yeah. Hopkins is more expensive too. I would take McManus personally. So the takeaways, I would say uh play a Denver running back. Um, don't be afraid to get a kicker or defense in and consider going Jerry Judy's way, uh, either with Cortland Sutton or in lieu of Cortland Sutton and Russell Wilson. Uh, but yeah, Judy, Denver running backs, and kicker or defense seem to be the big identifiers that could be helpful. So there we go. All right, we made we made good time on the stream, guys. I've been trying to keep them a little bit shorter because I can just extrapolate forever. But the good news, guys, is that Tomorrow, NBA best ball. I'm going to get some lineups in on this channel again tomorrow. So please come hang out here. It'll be around the same time, 2 p.m. Uh, Eastern, because we have actually we have a, a babysitter coming for the first time or a nanny coming for the first time here. We're going to get her two days a week now so I can feel less guilty about sticking Alex as the baby <laughs> every single time out. But guys, make sure you hit the like button, please, before you go. I got to hit the the neon flashing lights to, to really hammer it home. Please subscribe to the channel, hit the like button, and comment. Of course, Fridays are going to be the main event show with me and Pete at 10 a.m., but I'm doing streams, honestly, as i know many days a week as I possibly can, especially with NBA DFS coming up now. Uh, likely to have a weekly NBA show on here too uh, with just me building lineups, but I love the NBA and I think that's uh, another way for me to win you guys some money or help you guys win some money. But I think really follow the showdown advice. Don't be afraid to limit your salaries today in particular. Um, and again, don't be afraid to play some kickers and play some, some dusty ass Melvin Gordon if you want a chance to win on the showdown tonight. Million dollars up top on DraftKings. Don't forget to use the promo code SPLASH. Double your deposit over on Underdog. They'll match you up to one hundred dollars, so please go do that and go to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe for yourself because uh, lots of great data going on on there, including the ubiquitous DVOA that you can hear for yourself at any given time. Actually, one last thing I should do because um, this actually does help sometimes for these short slates. Let's see what the probably numbers are for this one. I haven't I haven't been plugging probably as much because frankly we're in a we're in a holding pattern until uh, we get the UX designs from our Brazilian agency that we're that I'm paying out of pocket for. But let's go to the football. Let's see this Denver Broncos game. So this is all, an interesting one, and this is something I talked about in the probably email that you can get for yourself. If you join the waitlist at probablyapp.com, you can see uh, me trying to read the tea leaves and then ultimately still be wrong because Tom Brady shits the bed. Uh, but the Denver Broncos plus 14 and a half. Um, so 77% chance the Broncos are within two touchdowns. That does mean that there's a 23% chance to get smoked outright. I think that does lend itself to the, the five to one charters onslaught build. Most likely outcome from the Chargers is they're within three points, so hard to see the Chargers get completely blown out of this game. Um, 25% chance that they lose by more than three and a half, but that's still a field goal range, so would feel pretty good about that. Under 53 and a half is a 71.4% probability, but you know, you try to look at both sides of it, and that means that there is a 30% chance this game scores more than 53 and a half, and at that point um, would render the defenses and kickers a little bit moot. Um, interesting way to think about that. But, yeah, so these are the most probable bets here. And, again, the money line for the Chargers, not surprising here. 66% chance they win outright. Um, Playing the Broncos win, though, feels like the contrarian approach because everything does say Chargers, but I think I probably would want to take the Chargers side of the equation a lot more, too. Just get different with the Broncos you play, but I think you still play a Chargers win. Uh, shout out, Dustin. Of course, shout out everybody who hangs out here. Uh, of course, these shows and trying to find the format here, but feeling good about the format we developed here. So I'm um, really all of you guys who hang out here. Really genuine bottom of my heart. Thank you guys for doing that. Follow me at Chris Spags. Follow at Splash Play Pod. Check out that Entourage podcast I did as well. I think it was a good showing by me. You could see me in a different light. You could see me not want to get canceled <laughs> on somebody else's podcast. So go check that out on the Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah pod or you can find it on my Twitter at Chris Spags. But I'll be back tomorrow doing NBA best ball. So come hang out then and uh, please, good luck tonight in the showdown guys win a million dollars i come back here and go like thanks fags you were right jerry judy's number one Hey, number one all right (laughs) see you guys bye